Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show.
Welcome to Season 7, Episode 15 of Horror Hill. I'm your host, Eric Peabody, and I've got a good one for you tonight. Our winter-themed horror spree continues this week with a tale by Austin Case. In the grand tradition of many other Christmas stories, Yuletide by the Fireside opens with some light marital discord. Jennifer and Mark are on their way up to a lovely, and remote, cottage for the holiday, where Jennifer struggles with finding time for work obligations around the usual festive merriment. However, their picturesque winter getaway is about to take an unexpected turn. I've got to tell you folks, I really enjoyed this one. I like it when a well-written tale isn't afraid to go for the jugular. Also, I have a special treat for you today. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights veteran Olivia Steele is here to voice Jennifer, so please join me in welcoming her to this episode. It looks like Christmas came early for us this year. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Did I mention they were ad-free? Thank you for your support. And now, from author Austin Case, I give you Yuletide by the Fireside. Hey, honey, said Mark. Could you switch the radio to Christmas songs? Jennifer sighed with mock exasperation and flicked the dial. Bing Crosby's unmistakable croon poured from the speakers like fresh maple syrup. Perfect, said Mark. Jennifer drove her explorer along the narrow twists of rural roads with names like Southwoods and Mount Misery toward her cousin's cabin. This holiday excursion to the New Jersey Pine Barrens was a last-minute plan suggested by her cousin, Nick. He'd stopped by their house last weekend for an early Christmas visit. Nick was traveling to Tahiti for his Christmas vacation and visiting his Philadelphia family members before he left. Jennifer felt that Nick and the other relatives on the Decatur side of the family tree put on airs. They were rich from wealth passed down from a series of naval commodores who served in both the American Revolution and the War of 1812. The Decaters always found a way to force these and other flattering historical family facts into conversation. During a one-sided discussion from Nick about how unspoiled Tahiti is, Jennifer mumbled about how nice it would be to go on vacation. Nick smiled and offered them a chance to stay in his winter cabin for the holidays. Mark, ever the eager puppy, jumped at the chance for a romantic getaway. She was conflicted by this prospect because, although the Decaters always boasted about this cabin and she'd never seen it, she had an important project for work that she absolutely needed to finish by the end of the year. 
When she saw Mark's pleading eyes, she considered how things between them had been strained. Work at her branding agency job had taken up her time. Jennifer agreed on the condition that she could work on the project during their stay. Nick handed over his key to the cabin. He told them he kept it fully stocked with food and other amenities, but that they needed to arrive there by the 20th, since dangerous drivers heading to their own cabins for the holidays overran the roads then. As Jennifer drove along the back roads, a silver BMW zipped by around a sharp curve, and she thought to herself how glad she was they were arriving on the 19th. I'm pretty sure this is the turn, said Mark. The white SUV slowed as they approached a barely visible offshoot from the main road. The new route was more of a path than a road, snow-covered and encroached upon by icicle-covered pine branches. Jennifer turned on the vehicle's four-wheel drive and attempted to navigate the terrain without sliding or knocking icicles onto the Explorer. Gee, Nick, thanks for warning us how rough the path to the cabin is, said Jennifer. You're doing a great job, said Mark. This cabin better be worth the drive. It was about a half mile to the cabin, and it remained snowy and hedged in by pines for the rest of the drive. When they finally saw the cabin, Mark exclaimed in wonder. Wow, it's gorgeous. It's not bad, said Jennifer. Not sure it was worth the drive, but it is pretty. Jennifer had to admit that the cabin was stunning. It looked like a child's vision of a fairy tale cabin built from Lincoln logs and gingerbread cookies. But rather than children's fancies, someone had made it with actual pine wood lumber, shellac, and paint. The wood was freshly varnished, and elaborate carved ornamental designs adorned the cabin's frontispiece. It looked prepared for Christmas, with the bells, garlands, wreaths, and ribbons strung upon its overhang and window frames. They parked in front of the cabin and hauled their luggage to the porch. It was surprisingly dingy, considering the state of the cabin. The brass was burnished and had traces of verdigris in its crooks. Jennifer reached into her pocket and pulled out the key that Nick had given her the previous week. She unlocked the door and Mark walked in, leaving the luggage he'd set down on the porch behind. Oh my gosh, he exclaimed. This place is freaking amazing. Hauling in her luggage, Jennifer followed Mark inside. The interior was extravagantly furnished. Atop a massive Persian rug rested a polished oak table surrounded by brushed leather furniture. To her left was a modernly furnished and immaculate kitchen. To her right was a stairwell that led up to an open loft bedroom with an enormous bed, its towering frame and columnar posts made of black walnut. Below the bedroom, Jennifer could make out a porcelain clawfoot tub in a partitioned bathroom. Opposite the entrance was a huge marble fireplace, and in the far corner of the room rose a fir tree that brushed the rafters. It was at least 18 feet tall and decked out in the same trimmings as the cabin's exterior. Atop the tree rested a polished silver star. Its appearance was unique with letter-like filigree twisting around its five points. 
Isn't this place great? Asked Mark. It's elegant, in a way, said Jennifer. But what about that? And that? Jennifer pointed to the head of a ram or goat mounted above the fireplace's mantle. She then pointed to a chandelier hanging above them. At first glance, when she had entered the cabin, she thought it was made of antlers, like some chandeliers in log cabins. This one, however, was made of the same twisted horns of the creature that rested above the fireplace. Yeah, those are kind of creepy. Kind of creepy? Okay, but you've always told me how eccentric your cousin's side of the family is, and how much they like to show off their prowess. I'm pretty sure people don't hunt goats or rams or, or whatever if that's what you're getting at. That's not true. People hunt for bighorn sheep. At least, they used to. Maybe a decatur shot the stuffed guy over the fireplace in the 1800s, and the chandelier was an attempt to match the style. Yeah, makes sense. Still hideous, though. Uh, no argument there. Now, come on. Horns notwithstanding, this place is awesome, right? She sighed and smiled. I suppose. I'll take it. Now, let's unpack and enjoy ourselves. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. By the time they'd settled in, it was dark. Mark offered to look around the cabin to see if there was firewood, since the log rack next to the grandiose hearth was empty. The cabin was already heated, but he thought a roaring fire would be romantic. Jennifer wanted a snack, so she grabbed some fancy cheeses and crackers stocked inside the kitchen. She set out a plate on the oak table and grabbed her laptop so she could start on her project. After playing around with a few images in her graphic design software, she put her head into her hands. "'Couldn't find any logs!' said Mark as he re-entered the cabin. Oh well. Hey, are you already working? Yeah, so? Wasn't this trip supposed to be a chance for us to spend more time together? It is, and it will be. I just wanted to get started on the most important project of my career. I'm the brand manager for a branding agency and I'm in charge of creating the new logo for the company's rebranding. Can't you see how important this is? It's not like coming up with a new cupcake. Mark's jaw dropped. Wow. I didn't know that's how you felt about just a scone's throw away. I guess being a baker isn't a real job. That's not what I meant, Mark. 
It's fine. You've got important work to do. I'm going to go upstairs and read. He grabbed a novel from his suitcase and climbed the staircase to the bedroom. Jennifer shook her head and returned to her logo. After hours of assiduous work, she heard a noise coming from outside the cabin. It was faint, but sounded like a distant flag flapping in a gale. She walked to the northeastern window of the cabin, towards its origin. The light from inside only penetrated the night a short distance, but it was enough for her to see the stillness of the snow and pine branches. Fwap, thop, fwap, fwap, thop, fwap, thop, fwap. The flapping was clearer and more audible by the window but she couldn't make out what was responsible for it. After peering through the window for a minute, the sound stopped. Jennifer waited and listened for it to pick up again, but the night remained quiet. Huh. Mumbled Jennifer. Well, I might as well go to bed. Once she had cleared up her new workspace, she performed her pre-sleep routine, went upstairs, and slid into bed next to a dozing Mark. The next morning, Jennifer woke to an empty bed. She didn't see him after dressing and checking downstairs. She heard a loud crack from outside and ran to investigate. Mark stood over a pine stump and a split log, holding a large axe. Hey, sweetie, he called. I found this axe around back. I figured since there wasn't any wood, I could chop some while you do your work. Jennifer exhaled and relaxed. That sounds nice. I'll come back in a bit. After some coffee and toast, she returned to work. Frustration crept in, since none of the designs looked right. Either the font needed to be clearer, the symmetry was wrong, or it just didn't pop. She decided to take a break and bring Mark some hot cocoa. He was still plodding away, even though he'd already amassed a sizable stack of wood. As Jennifer trudged toward him, careful not to spill the cocoa, she noticed how his arms swelled inside his plaid wool coat on each downswing. The cold had blushed his dimples, their pink hue complementing his tidy chestnut beard. Oh, hi, honey, he said as she approached. Thanks for all the hard work. I'm bringing you something to warm you up. Ah, that's so sweet. Chopping all this wood is keeping me warm, but I'll never turn down a mug of hot chocolate. Thanks, babe. Sure thing. She said, then pecked him on the cheek. Don't stay out here too much longer. You've already chopped enough wood to last through the new year. She said, then pecked him on the cheek. Back inside, she scoured the cabin. In a closet next to the bathroom, she found a large, worn quilt that she dragged into the kitchen. She gathered more cheese and crackers and grabbed a winter salami, knife, and ales from the refrigerator. "'What you doing, babe?' asked Mark as he hauled in an armful of firewood. "'I'm making us a picnic.' "'Outside? A picnic?' He placed his stack in the rack next to the hearth. "'Where else?' Didn't you just ask me to come in from the cold? You said chopping the wood warms you up. Come on, sissy, I'll pour us a thermos of cocoa. She kissed him, and after filling a thermos with hot chocolate, 
She bundled the meal into the quilt and they made their way. They hiked about 100 yards until they found a lovely snow-covered glade hidden in the pines. The sun glistened off the icicles as they set up their picnic. While Jennifer and Mark enjoyed the refreshments, they reminisced and laughed about silly and joyous moments from their past. After their meal, they cuddled on the quilt and stared at the sunlight refracted through ice on the pines. The cold eventually upset their comfortable repose, so they walked hand in hand back to the cabin. When they had returned, Mark started a fire. Jennifer got back to work while he returned to his book, this time without the shared acerbity. Once again, she found herself blocked and uninspired. Her mind wandered, and her eyes unconsciously darted around the cabin until they fixated upon the star atop the Christmas tree. Its patterns and flourishes were beautiful and striking. That's it! She cried out. What? asked Mark. That star! The one on the Christmas tree! What about it? I can use it as a template for Adthot's new logo! Oh, wow! That's great, babe! Obviously, I can't use it exactly, but I can play around with some variations incorporating the company name. That's wonderful, sweetie. Yeah. You know what? I'm done for the night. The biggest hurdle's finally been cleared, and I have the rest of the week to finish. Great! I wonder if Nick's left anything sweet here. I could really go for a treat now. Oh, they all look so good. Would it be bad to eat one of each instead of dinner? Oh! Mark scurried upstairs and returned holding a Tupperware container. I baked sweets for us. He opened the lid to reveal a cornucopia of cookies, tarts, candies, macaroons, pastries, and brownies. Not at all. We're on vacation. The couple gorged themselves. Once they had their fill, Mark rubbed his abdomen. I think I could burst, he groaned. I am definitely full. I think I'm going to go to bed and let these sugars and carbs digest. Sounds good, sweetie. I'm going to shower, then join you upstairs. Jennifer luxuriated in the hot, steamy water spraying from the polished brass showerhead. Sated by her dessert dinner and relaxed from the water stream, her mind arranged and positioned the letters of her company's name in ways that mirrored the Christmas star. She was happy she had time to finish the logo in her leisure time and spend her free time with Mark. A smile crept onto her face as she remembered her day with him. After drying off, she put on her nightgown and brushed her teeth. She was about to climb the stairway when she heard the noise from the previous night. It sounded louder and closer than before. Jennifer flitted toward the window and peered into the darkness. Thwap, thop, thwap, 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 thop, thwap, thop, thwap. Again, there was nothing to see, only still snow and pines. Hey, Mark? Yeah? He called down from the bedroom. Do you hear that flapping sound? What? Come down here, I hear something weird outside. She looked back outside and thought she could make out the shadowy silhouette of a person at the edge of the light's reach. 
It looked like it was shaking or convulsing. As the flapping sound continued, she heard a cackle in the further distance. Mark? Jennifer ran toward the stairs as he trotted down. What's going on? That sound, don't you hear it? The cabin was silent again. No flapping and no cackle, just her rapid breathing. It stopped, but did you hear it before? That flapping? Or the cackle? Cackle? You didn't hear anything. I heard a kind of rustle outside. Look out the window, I think someone's outside. Mark walked to the window and peered into the distance. Jennifer crept behind him and peeked over his shoulder. The silhouette was gone. I swear I saw someone at the edge of the shadows. Okay, babe. I'll check outside. No, don't go out there! Mark grabbed a poker resting by the fireplace. I'm sure it'll be fine, and I can take care of myself. He slipped on his coat and boots and grabbed his cell phone, turning on its flashlight feature. After opening the front door, he stepped into the brisk air and closed the door behind him. Jennifer ran to the other side of the cabin to look out the window, awaiting Mark's approach. After a few seconds, she heard the crunch of his boots and saw him walk across the virgin snow. He reached the shadows and held his phone and the poker in one hand. The phone's light darted around the snow and pines as Mark traipsed further into the dark. Mark, what are you doing? Jennifer rasped under her breath. She watched the light shine and dim through the trees as Mark continued along the perimeter of the cabin light's expanse. It went like this for about a minute, and then she saw him returning. She sighed and waited by the door. It opened, and Mark kicked the snow on his boots against the door jamb, then closed and locked it. Did you see anything out there? Nope. Scoured the area for footprints and didn't see a thing. The snow was as smooth as silk, but only half as lovely as the silk of that nightgown on you. Be serious. What about the cackle or whatever that creepy flapping sound was? I bet it was animals. A coyote probably made the cackle you heard, and the flapping was an owl, or maybe even a crane. The woods aren't like Philly. There are all sorts of creatures that make weird sounds at night. I don't know. Tell you what. Why don't you go to bed, and I'll read down by the window for an hour and listen for other weird noises. Well, I guess. You're probably right, it was just an animal. But thank you. She kissed him and then retired to the bedroom. Her nerves were too frazzled to sleep, but she rested and waited for Mark's return. There were no more noises until she heard the sound of Mark's footsteps and she embraced him as he slid into bed. Jennifer's spirits thoroughly improved the next day. She was excited about her work progress and concluded that animals were certainly responsible for the sounds in the night. After Mark cooked a hearty breakfast of eggs, bacon, and toast, she suggested they build a snowman. They used some spent coals and a carrot they found in the pantry. He looks great! What should we call him? said Mark. 
if we call him Mark? He is pretty goofy looking. Oh, yeah? Mark grabbed a handful of snow, patted it into a ball, and threw it at Jennifer. Now who's goofy looking? I hope you know, good sir, that this means war. Oh, yeah? Mark grabbed a handful of snow, patted it into a ball, and threw it at Jennifer. Now who's goofy looking? They ran around the cabin and ducked behind trees, lobbing snowballs and giggling until the cold numbed their extremities. Call it a draw? asked Mark. I obviously won, but I'll consider your surrender because I love you dearly. Okay, you are indeed a mighty snow warrior. Let's go inside. I want to get started on dinner. No more dessert dinners? I wanted to surprise you with a romantic dinner. I looked through the kitchen supplies and found the makings of something special. We can still eat some sweets for dessert though, right? What am I, a barbarian? They returned to the cabin and cleared off the snow they'd accumulated before entering. Once inside, Mark removed his coat and boots and then walked into the kitchen. How about I make more cocoa to warm us and then you head upstairs to work on your project? Trying to get rid of me? No, no. I want dinner to be a surprise. Trust me, it's much more romantic this way. Jennifer rolled her eyes and sighed melodramatically. Oh, the things I do for love. Mark made their cocoa. Jennifer grabbed one of the novels she'd brought and went to the bedroom. She didn't feel like working and was confident in completing the project in the coming days. The book was so engrossing that when Mark called for her to come down, she hadn't realized that hours had passed. The cabin smelled wonderful. Rich, savory aromas filled the air, and Jennifer wondered what Mark had made. Ta-da! declared Mark. He spread his arms before the table, which he decorated with a linen tablecloth and lit candles. In addition to the decorations was a glazed ham, fire-roasted chestnuts, and a baked vegetable medley made with potatoes, yams, onions, rosemary, and butter. There was also a bottle of red wine and two filled glasses next to their plates. This looks amazing! Thank you, thank you. Jennifer kissed Mark and sat at the table. She raised her glass in a toast. To my lovely husband and a wonderful holiday. To my lovely wife and a wonderful holiday. The dinner was delicious, since Mark wasn't just an amazing baker, but also a great cook. Conversation flowed as easily as the wine, and they soon found themselves blushed and tipsy. Jennifer was about to finish her last bite of vegetables when she heard the flapping. Okay, do you hear that now? Yeah, I definitely hear that. The noise blared through the cabin, moving from the north to the east to the south, then right above them. Flap, thop, flap, 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 thop, flap, thop, flap. Mark, what is that? Is it a helicopter or a drone, maybe? Before he could respond, the clatter stopped. They stood, 
holding their breaths in silence. The northeastern window shattered into the cabin, showering glass shards like jagged blades of ice. Jennifer screamed and cowered as Mark ducked. Their hearts pounding, they arose to see the disarray and broken window leading into freezing night air. What is it? She whimpered. Mark walked to the fireplace and grabbed the poker from the rack. He advanced to the window with ginger steps, ferociously gripping the makeshift weapon. He stared into the black. I don't see anything. Nothing? No, I don't see any people or animals. I don't see any tracks in the snow. I don't see what could have broken the window. Nothing. Mark, let's get out of here right now. He continued staring into the distance. Mark? Yeah. He shook his head and returned to Jennifer. Let's pack up, then drive home. I don't care about our things. Really, let's go. Okay. They grabbed their keys and phones and started putting on their boots and coats. A cackle like the night before rang through the blistering cold. It sounded like whatever made it was right outside the door. Oh God, oh God, cried Jennifer. Stay here, I'm gonna check and make sure it's safe. Mark, no, cried Jennifer. Stay here, I'm gonna check and make sure it's safe. It's gonna be all right. We're going to get out of here, I promise. Mark held the poker in his right hand and slowly opened the front door with his left. It was clear that no one was outside. The path between the cabin and the SUV was unobstructed. Stay inside the cabin for a second while I make sure everything's clear. He continued past the porch and into the snow. It crunched beneath him as he tramped toward the explorer continually looking around for any danger. Halfway between the vehicle and the cabin, Mark turned toward Jennifer and gestured to her with his open hand. A mass of twitching shadows lifted Mark into the air, that appalling flapping drowning out his screams. Mark! shrieked Jennifer. She ran to the kitchen, grabbed a butcher knife, and then returned to the door jam. The scene was again quiet and empty. Looking in all directions, including the sky, she inched her way to where Mark had been carried off. A small pool of blood remained with the dropped poker. In the distance toward the woods, still just within reach of the cabin's light, she saw a small spot in the snow. She crept toward it, still holding the knife in her steel grip and looking at all angles around her. The spot was blood, and she thought she saw another out further toward the pines. Jennifer grabbed her cell phone from her pocket and turned on the flashlight feature. Her breath formed small clouds of vapor as she panted and wept. Walking through the woods, she followed the droplets with the light of her phone. She remained vigilant and kept a tight hold of the knife in her other hand as she tracked her missing husband. A voice deep inside her, maybe her instinct or just her fear, kept telling her to leave him behind and drive the explorer back to Philly. 
But she loved Mark more than anything and knew there was a chance that he was still alive and that she could save him. As she continued along the bloody trail, her phone caught the outline of a person in the distance. They were too far away to make out their form clearly. She froze on the spot. Mark! She mewled. Mark, is that you? They remained still and silent. Jennifer wept and called out, Mark! Mark, please talk to me! The figure spasmed in a phalanx of beating wings. Jennifer screamed and a hard object struck her temple, knocking her to the ground. Lights flashed in her peripheral vision, then darkness poured over her as she fell into oblivion. Consciousness returned slowly. Jennifer first noticed how hot her front was and how cold her back was. A painfully bright light overwhelmed her until her vision gradually adjusted. A massive bonfire burned about 20 feet in front of her. Her head rang with a deafening wail. The sound began to localize itself to her left. She tried to move in that direction, but felt her arms tied behind her to a large object. Her legs were also bound. Turning her head to the left, she saw Mark screaming and tied to a pine tree. Mark? He was covered in bloody scratches, but otherwise unharmed. Oh God, Jennifer, it's gonna come back. I know it's coming. Silence, whelps, yelled a raspy voice. Jennifer tried to call out, but only steam poured from her lips. Tears ran down Mark's face as he struggled and continued to open his mouth, but no sound came from him either. A man stepped forward into their vision and stood between them and the fire. His gaunt visage was skeletal and sickly. Clumps of hair clung to his otherwise bald and scab-ridden head. He wore tattered and ancient clothing. It looked like the garb Jennifer saw people wearing in American history books, but threadbare and moldy. The time! It hath come! He said and raised his hands. She realized that not all of his clothing looked shabby. On his right hand glinted a silver ring, and he wore a pendant with an engraving she couldn't make out on his backlit form. He began croaking a litany of unfamiliar words. She thought she recognized one or two words of Latin, but couldn't understand anything he said. A chill shot up her spine as she heard the flapping approaching from behind. Try as she might to scream, nothing came. A shadow crept forward and settled on the grisly man's right side. It seized in a frenzy of rapid wing beats, each thunderous pulse contracting Jennifer's stomach and repulsed horror. The creature transfixed her. From most angles, it appeared as the shadowy form of a man, or at least something man-shaped. However, she caught the occasional glimpse of something altogether more terrifying. 
Six leathery wings rose from its back and furiously flapped at random intervals. Its face looked almost human, but stretched out, giving it an ovine quality. Atop its head twisted a crown-like tangle of horns, the same horns as those inside the cabin. Its lower half was an enormous serpent whose slithering propelled it forward. It was an abomination, a walking nightmare. Ye should bow with your heads, be ye now in the presence of royalty. Duke Astaroth is mighty indeed, and has cometh for what is rightly his. The man raised his hand in front of his face and gestured toward Mark. The thing opened its mouth to reveal thousands of needle-like teeth. When it spoke, its voice sounded with the roar of a thousand night beasts before rending the flesh of their prey. Ever so kind, Titanlids. Unlike anything experienced by Jennifer before, a stench emanated from its mouth and assailed her, almost rendering her unconscious. It smelled of death, bile, excrement, sulfur, and other things no earthly nostril was meant to smell. The thing slithered toward Mark, and the man followed behind. Mark still screamed in silence as it looked him up and down. With a claw-fingered hand, it swiped across his midsection, spilling his intestines onto the snow. Jennifer again tried, unsuccessfully, to scream. The man faced her. Flesh, it is weak, but the viscera, it is powerful. Mighty powerful for those proper skilled to useth it. He reached into the wound and pulled out more of Mark's intestines. Blood, chyme, and undigested chestnut chunks spattered onto the snow as he gazed intently at Mark's dribbling entrails. Mark was still alive. He thrashed his head, mouth agape as the ghoulish fiend poured over his insides. After minutes of investigation, the man dropped what he held to the ground and nodded his head. The creature slid toward Mark and again opened its mouth, spreading its stench over the area. The inside of its mouth protruded from its face to reveal what looked like a horse's skull full of porcelain needles. It struck like a viper and tore through Mark's chest leaving a gaping hole where his heart used to be. Mark's head dropped forward as blood and pieces of lung and ribcage fell onto the pile of his outside innards. Astaroth chewed and tore him apart as blood dribbled down the bony extrusion one could only approximately call its chin. Both the old man and the monster stepped toward Jennifer, she prayed for a miracle, to somehow break free and run back to the explorer, for an angel to come down and smite these things to hell. She prayed, 
but she knew there was no hope. The man smiled as she thought this, as though he knew exactly what she thought. The demon slithered right up to Jennifer. She stared into its infernal eyes and knew there was no hope. It stared back and smiled. You've been listening to Yuletide by the Fireside by Austin Case. Well, my friends, I think it's time to turn in for the evening. I'd like to thank Olivia Steele again for her contribution to this story's production. It wouldn't have been the same without you. I hope that you all have enjoyed tonight's episode, and I also hope to see you back here next week for more chilling tales. We still have some dark winter cheer to share with you all, and it would be a real shame if we had to hunt you down to do so. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts, and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show, and that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. As for me personally, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, username Viking Guitar, and also on Instagram as Viking Guitar Productions. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another Dance with Darkness, I bid you good night. Sleep tight, listener, and if you hear scratching at your door or flapping outside of your windows, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's episode was hosted by, and its featured tale performed by, yours truly, Eric Peabody. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Nikki McSorley and Eric Peabody. 
Finalization by Craig Groshek and S.K. Brown. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for future production. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, please subscribe to us to make sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect any time and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to let us know how we're doing and leave us a kind comment. Lastly, don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archives and ad-free downloads of all of your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, you can hear more of my work on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights podcast. However, I will be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.